podcasting from Houston, Texas, I am your host, Morgan C., a member of the Racial Geography Project, a research collective that investigates histories of racism and racialization registered in Rice University's land, buildings, and monuments. This is an initiative of the university's task force on slavery, segregation, and racial injustice. This episode, titled Plantation to Segregation, Colonial Nostalgia and Rice, traces racist nostalgia for the antebellum South that showed itself at Rice events during the 20th century. Rice University has a deeply embedded relationship with colonial nostalgia. This relationship can be seen through one of the university's most well-attended events of its time, the May Fet, first held in 1921. The city of Houston's May Day Parade existed before this, acting as a blueprint for Rice's celebration. The city's May Day celebration was documented to have occurred in the years 1919 and 1920. At this May Day Parade, Houstonians gathered in both Herman Park and on Rice's campus for athletic events and for the crowning of the May Queen. This celebration came to promote ideals of Eurocentric beauty, privileging fertility as the central component of women's lives. Rice's first May Fete, held in 1921, centered around the concept of the Old South and, of course, on the lovely women all vying for the status of queen. Rice's Women's Council took charge of the arrangements of the celebration, and young women submitted petitions signed by their peers to run as candidates for the position. The queen was then selected based on the popular vote of the student body. The king, duke, duchesses, and the maid were also elected in a similar fashion. The crowning of the May Queen was then followed by the Maypole Dance, the practice of dancing organized around a tall wooden pole. Rice's May Fet celebrated the colonial era through its choice of themes, costumes, and decor. The celebration began with the creation of a four-episode pageant modeled after Texas, a democratic ode, a poem written for Rice Institute's opening celebration by Princeton professor and former diplomat Henry Van Dyke. This pageant, directed by Rice professors, depicted a colonized version of history. It labeled indigenous peoples as savages, romanticized colonization, stating the Old South as an era where immigrants come and go, rather than a time in which immigrants colonized and pillaged indigenous land, and depicted the Civil War as simply an argument between brothers. Despite its strong sentiments towards the Confederacy, which fought for the persistence of slavery, the poem only mentioned slavery once, stating that the Civil War had dusted the institution away. The pageant ended with a message of peace and prosperity, a landscape where the descendants of the Old South could grow and thrive. This celebration of colonialism did not end here. In 1930, the university campus transformed into a mock plantation to set the stage for another colonial-themed Mayfet. The backdrop was a plantation mansion, designed by the architectural student and president of the Architectural Society, Alan Caldwell, and it was mentioned in numerous Thresher articles leading up to the event. Also in attendance was a student dressed as a caricature of a black child who functioned as a comedic relief, or a court jester. 3,500 people attended this Mayfet, 
only second in attendance to the 1934 celebration, which saw over 10,000 attendees. The May Fete came to a close a decade later in the year 1941, as World War II began. While this was the last of the May Fets, the celebration morphed into something new, Rondelet, which began in 1947. Rondelet was commissioned as a celebration much like the May Fete. Its purpose was also to focus on the good old days, except these good old days were before the Second World War rather than the Civil War. Rondelet continued to carry on some of the same practices as Rice's beloved May Fete. However, the racialized themes of the traditional May Fete were not as present. Despite this, racism at Rice did not dissipate, and the residential colleges were not immune. For instance, the Hands and Minstrel Gala, a popular series of events that took place over four years in the early 1960s, performed racism perhaps even more directly, and did so as debates about desegregating the university ensued. Students donned blackface and acted as racist caricatures. The Thresher even described the show as having traditional ebony-shaded jokes. The commissioned blackface choir also performed songs such as Dixie and Pick a Bale of Cotton. The Hands and Minstrel Gala lasted through 1964, the very year that the first black student officially enrolled at Rice, and the winter before the first black professor and undergraduate students arrived at the university, though it would not be the last instance of blackface on campus. Following the demise of the show, the Hands and Playhouse, colloquially known as the Hands and Non-Minstrel Show, emerged, in which Hands and avoided what the Rice Thresher refers to as the racial issue. Even after the school desegregated, there were moments of overt racism at the colleges. Rice's relationship with race and colonialism is deep and convoluted. From the May Fete to the Hands and Minstrel Gala, we can see how racism takes on different forms, and it is through events like the May Fete that we can better understand Rice's past and present-day attitudes to this history. Today, I've drawn a through line from the early to the late 20th century of racism manifesting on campus in incredibly explicit, highly performative ways. Of course, the most prevalent and insidious instances of racism occur on a day-to-day -day basis, even today, and go unnoticed by most. Put the good book down. Put the good book down and I'll set you free. Thank you for listening to the Rice University Racial Geography Podcast. New episodes are coming soon. Thank you to the scholars and researchers that have been helping us with our work. We are grateful for support from the Rice University Humanities Research Center and the University's Race and Anti-Racism Research Fund. To find out more about the project, you can go to our Instagram at Racial Geography Project. This is an original podcast series made by the Racial Geography Project, a research collaborative led by Fabiola Lopez-Duran and Adrian Rooney. It features New Freedom Remix, an original sound composition and performance by Lisa E. Harris.